You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to a special episode because it's 800 episodes. That means 800 people I pissed off. And guess what? One of them decided to come back and talk to me and it's Matt. What's up, brother, man? It's been a while. What's going on, Robbie? How you doing? Now you get to start back up the suburban foodie page because masks are now no longer mandatory in Maryland. I think it's going to be with you guys too. Yeah, eventually. I think uh, we typically go a little bit slower. You know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York kind of play it safe for a little bit longer. So if you're not sneezing in anybody's mouth, I don't see the problem. Like I got a bunch of dirty looks when I was in Walmart. People look like they're about to shoot me or something. But I was like, it's weird, too, because you you want to put it on. But at the same time, it's like you don't have to anymore. My gym, they cleared out everything that was installed. And I got my job during the pandemic when it was coming back when things were opening back up so i've never seen it without curtains or you know barriers or like spray bottles and stuff to clean down your equipment and i'm like this is freaking weird i feel like it's like i don't know like when it first started you don't realize like everything that's happened and then you realize you get so used to it it's like oh i remember the day it happened and then now it's like it's we're kind of coming out of it it's like oh my god is this like one of those days you got to go outside and soak up the sun like finally I can talk to all the people I never talked to on a daily basis. It's like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> on one hand, I'm just, I'm really happy that I'll be able to see people's faces because you don't realize how important it is to human interaction to see somebody's actual full face yeah. until you can't. Yeah. But I think the other thing too, that's really interesting is watching certain TV shows you'll look and you'll see maybe it's a crowd of people and you're thinking, wow, no masks. Or you see people with masks on and you're thinking, oh, well, this this show was made recently. So our whole perception, I think, has changed. But I'm excited that things are looking to really be turning around at this point. At least it's been a while. You can go back out to eat, I guess, without like having to worry about like mask up while you're not chewing. It's like, oh, okay. I, I'm not a big, I mean, I went out to eat. Like I said, I think it was my birthday. I got Chinese food and stuff. And I tried to do that for like a weekly thing. But man, I just like the stuff I make, man. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big, like I'll go out. If it, you still got to come down so we can go out to eat. Definitely. Just not Ruth Chris. That's fine. There's plenty of other places to go. Yeah, because I'm not going to spend $150. Why would you trust a place where they have to learn that waiters literally have to learn CPR in case you choke? That's a food you can choke and die on. I can't choke on pasta. I can't even choke on a saltine. That's a food you need to eat. <laughs> so what's the typical meal then? Like, what do you, what's your go-to right now? What are you making? Protein shakes. I can't okay. consume solid food right now. Okay. Well then, then you have a pass then. If you could, what would you make? What would be the first thing you would make? I can tell you a thing I've been craving for a while is like a nice clam chowder. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it is about a clam chowder. I think it's the, the, the double C's in a word that really just turned me on about a food. Like when a food sounds funny, it's interesting to want to get like a menu. I think that's why like the Outback has a bunch of like the blooming onion. 
that just sounds like it's going to be a good night. But then you eat it and you're like, oh, I made a terrible mistake. If you eat the whole thing, yeah. That that's meant to be shared. You you take that whole thing down, you're in trouble. Man. You got to talk to my dad. My dad's like, no, I'm getting a blooming onion for me, and then you all can get whatever you want. I'm like, that's it. The whole meal is just fried onion. Yeah, it's all you need in life. But I'm like, but everything you touch afterwards is just grease. That's true. That's true. And with some things, I find that it depends on how it's made, right? So if the restaurant's really good. And doesn't mean it's expensive, but if it's a good restaurant, um, usually things that are greasy will be a little bit less greasy there. Like, for example, I had egg rolls the other day. And it's the same Chinese restaurant I've gone to for years and I love, but something was different this time. It was like super, super greasy because obviously egg rolls are fried, but um, normally it's not like that. But I remember I, I took one and I had to reheat it. And the whole paper towel was just like, yellow from the grease after I cooked it. It's like, mm, should I eat this? I mean, I did, but. <laughs> I, for some reason, since my gym is right next door to a Chinese food restaurant, I will not eat Chinese as of now because I, every time, like when I'm working, if I open up in the morning, there'll be like Chinese food in our bathroom. Like some person that gets on a workout decides to eat Chinese food. And I'm like in the bathroom of all places, you want to sit and have your meal. That just sounds disgusting. Like I don't want to sit on a toilet or where people are, you know, taking showers or doing all these things and eat my food. I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's just, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird world, man. I really can't say anything more than that. I mean, did you find yourself during the pandemic? Like a lot of people did. Define, find yourself. That's a big question, Robbie. Did you get any activities or hobbies or anything on your mind that you feel like getting off? Um, well, I would say kind of related to how we originally met the suburban foodie uh -huh. Instagram page. Um, for now, at least, and this could change, I found that I don't like social media as much as I thought <laughs> I did. Um, I was kind of, I don't want to say becoming disillusioned, because I think that gives the wrong connotation. But I was kind of at a point where there was a level of exhaustion with it, because I was really trying to, yeah. um, you know, work with the metrics and try to play the algorithm and, you know, start thinking about buying followers and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that that is something I don't want to do again. So if I end up posting again, I'm just going to post what I want when I want, like I would look at what time of day should I post, you know, they give you all those metrics on the Instagram page. So I would look at all that, but I think between that and like most people during the pandemic, I saw the social dilemma and saw how much we're tracked and watched and everything. So I think for me, like, that's why if you send me a DM on Instagram, I may not see it for hours or Same thing depending with on me. what account it's on. I may not see it for a couple of days. Yeah. That's why. Because I don't have notifications turned on for a lot of things now because of that movie. I had, um, I've been going out like out on my back porch and like sitting and relaxing in the sun. But I remember my phone was about to like die. So I was like, I better charge it. And we have no charging ports outside on the back porch. So I put it inside. And I just had headphones on. I'm listening to a podcast. So I forgot to put my phone on mute. All I'm hearing is ding, 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 ding. Like my phone is just going off and it's inside. So I'm like, I can't just get up and check my phone. So like somebody could be dying. I don't even know. But it was just all these random messages like LOL, ha ha. And just constant like 
I was like, man, that gets, that's why I just post in ghosts. Now I post up a photo and then I'm not on it. I won't post again until something on my story. When I post another episode, I only post for an episode and that's it. I don't do like, I've seen stories that are blips for blip, like a thousand of them. And you're like, what the, like people are tapping through them. They're not watching all these ones. I mean, they're talking about like, what do you guys like egg rolls or sushi? It's like, I don't give a fuck. Let's click through that one. Let me get to the part where he tells me his life sucks. That's the one that they want. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely a lot of noise on social media and the notifications. It's just a mountain of notifications. And that's why I turned it off. And I did find I don't know if I found myself, but I did find that I'm a lot happier when I put it down and only check it every so often. So maybe that's what I've learned over the last, what, 14, 15 months. What I think is interesting is I remember when I was cleaning out my grandmom's house, I found an edible and I ate it. And I remember what I did for the, I, I every time I get high is horrible. It's never fun. I don't know why I do it to myself, but I do it. Um, but I remember when I ate this edible, I spent four hours on, and it probably would have taken a sober person 20 minutes, but it took me a very long time because I went into my notifications and I went to every single app and spent about a good 20 minutes disabling notifications, disabling, do I want the sounds? Do I want the, that's what I kept asking myself. That's why it took so damn long. I was like, well, I like the bing it makes, but I also don't like the banner, but what happens if I, and then that's my brain just on this high level, just, just figuring out everything. So I went through my Twitter, my Instagram, every social media outlet, everything on my phone, when it even comes to settings, Amber alerts, all these important things. I kept the important ones. I want to know if a kid is being taken in a Chevy Malibu, you know, and fucking Malibu. Time. What's up with that? Because that's a psychopath car. It's nice, but it, <laughs> you're sketchy if you're driving. It's like a tattoo on your face. I don't trust you with my bank pin. I'm just saying. Um, but you I, know, I, I drive a Malibu. Are you serious? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I have a Jeep. <laughs> I was like, damn. I was like, I totally missed those signs. I get the signs from Mr. Rogers, but not you. Um, but I remember I deleted all those notifications. You start to realize how like the social media game, their their hooks are in you way more than you think they are. Like the reason why I've been talking about like China and all this stuff in some recent episodes is because you start to realize like they're winning a slow war because they're slowly having like they're funding our schools. So now schools won't research anything about the Chinese government or they'll pull their funding. You start to realize like there's a lot of shit you're not focused in on and there's too much of it out there to focus into that you're the hooks are in you but how deep have they gone sure well yeah that's a good point i mean if you look across the country at a lot i would argue probably most of the bigger colleges and universities they have set up what's called a confucius institute and that's basically the chinese influence at these schools so you're absolutely right. And the claws are in. And I think China's a big player. I think that big tech in general yeah. is really embroiled in this, whether it's tracking every move that we make or, you know, like, for example, Google. I mean, everybody Googles everything, right? Well, Google oh. was blinding search results. That's why Australia had it banned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they definitely manipulate the results. And one of the things, and I knew Google was popular and I knew a lot of people used it, but I didn't realize how much it was used. They control 90% of the internet search traffic, 90%. Yeah. So 
you know, if you pay Google for your website to be listed in the you know top three or four, it'll push what could be a valid search result down further. So their algorithm is supposed to be built, well, initially I think it was built to show the most relevant results. Now it's sort of that, but it's also who's paying to play, right? So it's really manipulated. I think, so here's my interpretation of what success is. I think, do you have enough energy to what, do you have enough energy to put into something enough to where you're willing to like, for instance, when you're diving into the world of social media, do you have enough energy or time to be put into that to actually make it something that can make you successful? Or so many people get right to the maybe the edge of it thinking that it's never going to come and they don't even realize it's right in front of their face and they give up and they've spent so many years into it. You know, people build up these social media platforms because it's like LinkedIn. Everyone who has a LinkedIn is might be an okay guy, but they, you, you go to it with, with the aspiration that's going to help you get a job. No, it does not. It does not do anything. It's a profile that sends you constant emails and newsletters where I'm like, unsubscribe. scribe. I can't <laughs> deal with all the random bullshit that gets sent to my Yahoo. Like I made it four years ago and every day, Rob, there are jobs in your area. I got a fucking job. Okay. I don't need to work at Petco in the fucking loading dock. I'm sorry. That's just not what I'm interested in doing. But when you start to kind of realize that any amount of effort to put into something, like they say, you got to put an effort to get something out of it. That's a hundred percent true. But how much are you willing to put into something will show you the clear basis if you're fit to do it or not. A lot of people are mirroring their life on something that might not necessarily be for them. Social media to me is a giant time suck. I'd rather sit and play Dragon City or I'd rather do something else more beneficial. Maybe when it comes to my new passion right now is just creating t-shirt designs. I'm having having a fucking field day with the creating t-shirts t-shirts right now actually what shirt are you wearing let's see the oh, uh, shit That's got it about what's on the back of it uh the back of it is is it the rocks uh yeah i think so i went through an instagram photo phase where i just had a bunch of random rocks in the back of my uh kia and i would just I, people were like, why the fuck do you have rocks back here? And I would stack them in pictures and get a sunrise or a sunset in a perfect shot. Nice. It's a little nice. Hidden, clever. Hidden in creative. That's creative right there. And you know what? You're having fun, especially with the, like the merch, the t-shirts and the hoodies and stuff. Um, I think you make a good point though, as far as do you want to put the effort in? And I think what a lot of people have seen is putting the effort in is one thing. You can learn how to do it, how to work within one site's algorithm or another. But I think the biggest problem we have, and this is all of these companies, they will remove certain things and say, well, this is a violation of our policy. But often, or almost all the time from what I've seen, they don't tell the people specifically what they did wrong. They'll just say, well, it was this particular post or it was this, you know, 40 minute video. And it's like, okay, well, that's 40 minutes. Like, was it one thing I did wrong? Or was it the whole thing? What was it? And um, it's, it's interesting, because even if you're not talking about anything that's too off the wall, sometimes you can get hit with a strike and you're, you're like, well, what did I do? I think that's the bigger problem. If you want to have rules, I think it's fair to say, well, here are our rules. But 
they don't say here are our rules. They just say, follow our rules. I'm more of a believer now that I've ever been of an Illuminati society type, just on the aspect of like, there are so many things when it comes to big, big, like, I think we all think hooded people and robes, which we could talk about Bohemian Grove if you want, that's real shit. But I think it's more of big businesses are really trying to filter out everything. I think that was a big issue with the election. A lot of people were talking about like they were blending search results and all these things. I was like, no shit. I was like, Twitter is a, the guy who does that is a Biden fan. So he didn't let any of that Biden information leak out. I mean, I was trying to share an article about it and it was like, it wouldn't send. It was said unavailable when people would click it. And I was like, I don't, that's the issue with censorship, but it's also like their right to in an aspect of they are private owned companies and we've somehow got it programmed into our head, just like with Fox. Fox is entertainment, but it's programmed into our head that it's news because it's in the fucking name. And I'm like, when I was a kid, for instance, I thought Olive Garden wasn't out to like five-star restaurant type of night. No, it's not. It's trash. It is absolute garbage. When you get a license and you realize you're an idiot. That's a strong opinion. I mean, listen, I know it's not fine Italian cuisine, but I mean, come on, unlimited breadsticks. And that, that is the good part about it. Is yeah, come on. That's not fine class, though. It's not a Ruth Chris. That's a fucking but off you know brand what, of an off brand. But that's not what you're all about. You're not all about fine dining. So I would have thought you'd be an Olive Garden fan. I enjoy it. I'm just like, I just figured out when it, it hit me hard, when I figured out it wasn't high class, like I would be like, are we going to the Olive Garden? They're like, no, what? That's disgusting. And then you look back at it, you're like, oh my God, I was poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, right there with you. Right there you with you. Do you think that there's going to be a bit of a pushback with technology or do you think that it's just going to keep hyping up and hyping up until eventually people just accept everything that's coming towards them? I think we're at a point where there's no turning back in some ways. I feel that we are so tied to technology. It's so ingrained in our lives. I mean, I, I work from home, so I need my computer. I need my internet, and I have to have these things. I have to have my my cell phone because I use that for work too. So in a way, I think we can't go back on using any of it, but I think on how it's legislated or monitored, I think is what we might see changes to. So right now, I think just big tech in general you know, one of the things that they kind of hide behind is the Section 230 immunity from the Communications Decency Act, which basically protects them where they can say, well, if Robbie says something off the wall and crazy, and then he goes and does it and commits some crime, we can't be held liable because we don't control Robbie. We're not his editor. We're just here providing the platform, right? So I think there have been a lot of situations where I think that's valid, but then there's also situations like I I read a situation about um, Myanmar, and there was basically a genocide conducted in Myanmar, facilitated through social media, and it wasn't stopped, it wasn't shut down. So like there are people who are pushing. And this is both sides of the aisle. It's not one political affiliation or another, but there are people who are pushing to say, we need to reevaluate this. Because the way I look at it, 
that regulation is from 1996, okay? The internet was vastly different. We didn't have any of these social media platforms. You basically had basic websites and you had message boards. So to me, if we regulate and we look at tech at the internet as a whole, not pointing to any specific company for saying anybody did anything wrong, but if we're moderating this or regulating this based on a standard from 25 years ago, to me, that's like when you produce a new car saying the safety standards should be based on what the Model T had. It just doesn't make sense to me because they're two completely different times in history. The technology is so different now. I just think that we need to approach it differently. And that's the backlash that I think we might see more of as time goes on. I mean, if you were going to look at like the creation of a device doing so many beneficial things that's going to affect your life, and then you decide that, yeah, there's a lot of problems to it, but let's slowly release those problems. So people are already routinely acceptant to this thing being a part of their life. Like, let's say I set up a podcast. So I have 10 podcasts in one day. And then I come to my computer for the very first one. It says my internet's out and there's an outage in my area and I might not be on till tomorrow. My whole fucking day is ruined. I'm going to be upset. But when you start looking at things a little bit more closely is like, there's probably a lot of problems that are just now coming out, but we're accepting it because it's so ingrained to there are routines to our daily thing, making sure Twitter is going to be there to refresh or something because we know it's going to work. But when the server's down, people start losing their fucking minds. And I'm like, it has me thinking because the reason why I won't do Clubhouse is Clubhouse is a China owned app. So like it was available in six weeks in China for the very first release of it. And then they banned it because people were connecting with other people in like other regions that they weren't supposed to know what was going on over there. And the Chinese government was like, we got to put a fucking no, no on that. I don't like that. Cause it's, I understand it's them. We're not going to be able to change them. And that's a whole different thing, but I don't like the aspect that a lot of people are going to be willing to accept a lot of things that might be wrong because of the fact of how influenced this is. And all they really know is social media or all they really know is the internet. I mean, generations are now knowing are being born into something that's never not had this when a lot of times we couldn't remember before MySpace, we couldn't remember before this. And it's like, I think it can be a beneficial tool to your life, but when you structure it around it, it becomes a little bit insane. And I mean, I know plenty of content creators that get their stuff flagged. My episode with Mark, I couldn't even post as an advertisement on YouTube because they were like, you said some horrible things in this episode. And I was like, what did I say? And then they, they gave me a certain time cue about an hour and 20 minutes in. And it was when I talked about how a kid died in circumcision because a rabbi. And I, I said that and Mark freaked out. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. I understand that one. But there are things that are are really just like conversation style things or things that are being talked about or things that are being expressed and thoughts and opinions and stuff like that. But they're more than willing to just say no to it rather than let it be out there just so people can cipher for themselves. Like they're kind of like a parent spood feeding a baby. And it's like, it gets strange, man. Cause like when I say the Illuminati type stuff, you realize that, yeah, you might have control into immediate acts into your own life. But when it comes to being successful, I feel like someone just chooses that for you. Because, I mean, I, I know a lot of people out there that are doing amazing work and doing so much effort into everything, but they're not Logan Paul money. It just seems like sometimes something is set up for you to be successful and other times it's mostly set up for you to fall in line. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of that, it's 
a part of it is going to be what you put into it, you know, kind of like what you were saying with building a social media following, right? You, you got to put the work in. So I think that's a, a big piece of it. But I think when you get to a certain level, you know, whatever level that is, I don't know, but to a certain degree, you have control over the success that you have, being able to do what you do. But I think at a certain point, you're right. You know, you, you do have to, it's not about what, what you know or what you do, but it's who you know at a certain level. And if you want to rise to that level, you have to be kind of in that, I guess, in crowd, if you want to call it that, um, or connected in some way. So I, I would agree with that. I think if what you want to do is, like for me, I, I'm not looking for anything spectacular. I just, I want to make a, a modest income and, you know, not have to worry about anything. That, that's my whole situation, right? So I think for me, for what I aspire to do and to be, I don't think I have to have any, you know, friends in high places or anything like that to get there. Now, say I wanted to be, you know, some high power politician. I wanted to be the governor of Pennsylvania. You have to be connected to do that. You can't just walk up and say, yeah, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Let's go. It doesn't work that way. It depends what you want to do is basically what I'm saying. It's so hard to, because they always say, if you say about, it's all about who you know, well, isn't the point of not trying to rely on people? Like I find it more laudable when you achieve things where you don't rely on anybody else. Cause a lot of times people either use you like that's, that's the main mindset now. And I think that's just because of everything in our scope of you is wanting to be successful. But what we deem successful isn't that you have a house over you. I mean, that the fact that you woke up is successful to me. I mean, but the eyes of the world is you need to have a bunch of nice cars and you need to grind to your goals, which is like all about achieving your things, which is, is laudable stuff but it's also like being famous isn't really uh, 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 I guess something you should measure with successfulness as we've seen people have been torn down from and I'm like first of all before you can control how much money you have or how famous you are or whatever it is or control the world like people want to do I think you should try and control your dreams first because I still have no clue how to fucking do that man I had a dream I was on a bus and all you could see was that what was coming out of the front windshield everything around like i never looked i never looked out the side windows in the back there's the engine so like an ocean city bus like just you know crazy people on it and shit but every time i would go to step off the bus someone would get on it would push me on and i would stay on the bus and i was like all right i'll get off at the next stop and i remember finally i started noticing like i'm not able to get off this bus and as i would look out the side windows there was just darkness there was nothing there but right in front through the front windshield i could see everything coming at me but it would just fade to black so then I remember trying to step off the bus and the dream ended. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, I want to know what that is. Once I can figure out what what's manifesting these issues that you're not dealing with on a daily basis, that they arise in your dreams, you start to be able to understand what your life is. I think that's why meditation is important. Like, I'll I might not do it, but trying to really process the fact that what you are considering valuable might not be the actual valuable things. We can't survive without Wi-Fi. Your internet's down. But the fact that you're able to breathe without anything affecting you, without all these issues that are going on, you're not waking up in constant pain. Maybe you can choose to reflect on yourself and be able to find that pain. I find that fucking fascinating because I'm like, how many people have like a giant backache or something? I have a freaking, uh, what is it? 
herniated disc. And I had no idea. I got an MRI and they're like, yeah, most people don't know. I'm like, why is that? They're like you just get used to it and you think that's normal. And I'm like, what? Like this does not feel normal, but they're like most of the population have that same exact one. You don't even need surgery, but it's normal. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole aspect of interpreting dreams. So, I mean, maybe that's another thing, not specifically just that, but maybe that's another thing that I found out about myself in the last year is I'm fascinated by not just interpretation of dreams, but conspiracy theory and time travel and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Tell me more, you Matt. Know, Tell me I've more. I've been listening to a lot of things, but well, first I'm going to tell you in my completely non-professional opinion, what I think of your dream. And then I'll tell you a dream that I had and you can tell me what you think. Well, hold on. And since then you're we can gonna, talk about whatever else. Since you're going to analyze my dream, you've listened to, I'd say a good amount of my show. So this is going to be interesting to hear. <laughs> yeah. So I think the key theme in what you told me is you could see straight ahead, but everything out the sides, the back of the bus, completely black, right? Mm -hmm. To me, and I, and I do think that generally speaking, just from what I know of you, I think I know you relatively well at this point, it's been over a year. What did we record maybe last February or something? You were up to 460 something, so. No, but I think tells me that you're not the type of person to dwell on the past, to look back and to focus on it too much. You're ready to move forward. Whatever that means for you, you're ready to move forward. I think I'm talking to Gandhi. <laughs> so I think that's number one. Number two, and this ties into the discussion that we just had about, you know, do you make your own way or do you have to know people to get there? I feel like there's symbolism in the fact that you're trying to get off this bus and make a decision and do something, but you take a step forward, you're pushed back. You take a step forward, you're pushed back. So maybe that's something tying into the whole, well, there's people who are in control. And if you're not, you know, in with them, then where are you going to go? You know, how are you going to move forward? So to me, that's, that's what I hear when I hear that dream. I don't know if you agree with that. I like it. Now you got to tell me a dream so I can analyze it first. Yeah. So I don't even know if I've figured out what this one means. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what you say. So I had this dream where I was on a train. So kind of similar to your bus situation, but I was on a train. And, I didn't have um, enough money for the train. I can only afford the bus, like <laughs> 250. <laughs> well, so I, I used to take the train into Philly every day when I was going to Temple. I used to take the train. There's a train stop right there, a train station. And I guess that's where the whole train thing came from because I rode the train for the better part of two and a half, three years. I Wait, was you, on the train daily. You said you're going to Temple? I was years ago. This was... Are you Jewish? Temple University. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, hold on. The way you said it, though, I was like, wait a minute. Is this... Are you Jewish and I don't know? No, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Plenty of Jewish friends, but no, I'm, I'm not Jewish. Uh, but Temple University. Okay. That would be cool if there was a train station that took you right to the temple. I was about to say, holy shit, why are we not talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so maybe that's where it came from because I was so used to that for years. 
And, um, and this dream was just a few months ago. This was recent. And I'm on this train and it's moving really fast. It's packed. And all of a sudden I look over to my left and I see one of my coworkers, guy that I, I work with in my current job. I'm like, no, that's, that's strange. So then I hear the conductor and he says, you know, next stop, Willow Grove. Okay, well, that's, that's where our office is, right? Or maybe was at this point, who knows? But I go to get off, but it's not Pennsylvania. I'm not in Pennsylvania. I'm in what I think was Moscow. You know, the, the, those beautiful buildings in Moscow, all the different colors and real ornate and real decorative. That's where I was. And I remember thinking, what the hell is this? Like, where the hell am I? And I turn to my coworker and he's gone. I was gonna ask him like, hey, what's, you see this? Like, where are we? And then I just woke up. So I have no clue what that was all about. Did you fall asleep to like a KGB documentary or something <laughs> like that? No, and that's the thing. Like, it's not like I was watching the Americans or anything like that, which I, I have watched that show. So maybe that's kind of um, at a subliminal level still in my brain somewhere, even though it's been a couple of years since I've watched it. But I, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's... it's you have this wanting to travel and you'll be surprised when you get there, I guess. Cause maybe, cause you talk about, you're like, you're going to temple, not the, the religious school, but the university. So like, it's like, you think for you, you get stuck in this routine for so long that if you take the time to travel, you might experience something different. And I think that's kind of where you're like this shock of like, holy shit, I'm in Moscow. It's like, you're like, I'm freaking somewhere different and it's a shock, but it's a good type. Like, holy shit. Like I'd never been here before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you could completely be on target with that because I've never been the type to, and I've gotten, I think I've gotten a little better, but I'm not the first person to step outside my comfort zone for the most part. And um, like, I didn't even have a passport until I don't have I was, one. Well, I only have one because it was paid for by my company. I was sent, this was back like eight years ago. I was sent to the Philippines to train people. How old are and you? How old am I? How old do you think I am? Like 25? Love you, Robbie. I'm dead serious. Holy shit. Wow. I need to get my life on track. Holy crap. I'm like doing nothing. I feel like when I'm 30, I'm going to be like a homeless person. No, no. I think, I think you're, you're what? 22, 23, 23, 23. Okay. I think that you're way ahead of where I was at 23. I mean, 24, I went to the company where I am now still. And I took a job taking phone calls all day, customer service. So I think you're doing something a little bit more meaningful than what I was doing at your age. So I wouldn't worry that you're behind. I don't think you are. So my thoughts on customer service uh -huh. for like a phone call thing, I think you want the, as a company, you want to hire people that are going to end up getting the other person on the other end to hang up, just pissed off. That makes more sense if you're trying to make sure you don't have any people trying to return shit. And then like, if you get past that phone call with that person they're like fuck it you win the game like it's um it was like a family guy episode uh they had um stewie in hr 
and she, like you sexually assaulted this woman and he just goes i'm trans and then the, the woman goes <laughs> the woman at hr goes congratulations you just won hr and i was like that's you just sometimes like if you yeah. literally like there are people like i know that i turn to to get shit done when i know it's going to be a hassle and they get it done because i don't think anybody expects you to go that far into something which is why we go back to with um you know being successful if you I think it's set up to make it so damn difficult, but if you do all of it and you get past every single obstacle, they're just like, you get it at this point. Cause we did not expect anybody to get past those walls. I think for maybe some companies, depending on what it is they sell, I would say that that that's accurate. Um, I would think it's a little different in my field. So I work in insurance, so it's not, you know, you've purchased a toaster and it broke. It's a little bit deeper than that. It's, you know, you purchased an insurance product and you're going to have this for decades. And if you die, like it's going to pay something to your kids or whoever you want it to pay to. Right. So I think the customer service aspect there is a little bit different. And also it's, it's not just, you know, Robbie buys a toaster. It's Robbie has 500 clients who are going to buy a toaster. So if we piss Robbie off, then those 500 people are off our radar. And I think that's one of the big differences with the world of insurance is service with an individual person who owns an account is one thing. But if it's the person who's going out and selling this stuff to get more people bringing money in, then you're like, oh, snap, like this guy brought us however many million dollars in the last couple of years, like we can't piss this guy off. So I think it's, there's levels to it. You strike me. There's as levels a, to everything in the world. In the you world. strike me as a guy that could handle crypto really well. Oh, I mean, in what way? What do you mean by handle crypto? You seem like you could probably handle like figuring out stocks and Bitcoin and all that type of stuff where you could see if something's going up or something's going down. Um, I think I'm better now at that than I would have been five years ago, but I would say it's definitely not a strong point. And I, I personally, crypto kind of confounds me a bit. I'm not a huge fan of it because I've always been more the old fashioned type. I, I like tangible things. I like to know, you know, I have it in my hand and there are certain things because of that I won't buy online unless I've bought it before and I know, oh, I like this or this is going to fit if it's clothing or something. But I like to, to see certain things before I buy them. So crypto for me is tough because it's not tangible. I don't think it's going away either. But again, with crypto, it's similar to what we discussed earlier. The problem with crypto is it's not well regulated. So there are certain places, I mean, there are credit card companies who are saying, oh, yeah, we'll accept, you know, Bitcoin transactions. That's happening here, you know, off to the one side. But then you've got, I think it was a month or two ago, India was thinking of banning cryptocurrency altogether. They banned because TikTok because of China. I, that's another concern. Absolutely. But they've been looking at possibly banning crypto. And then the question is, well, for people who have it, do they lose it? Do they get forced to sell it? What happens? So it's just not a 
tangible thing. And I think that's why I have so much trouble wrapping my head around these NFTs. Have you heard about NFTs? So it's kind of like how crypto is to paper money. It's, they're called non-fungible tokens. And what it is, is basically one of the popular things right now is you can buy the rights to a moment. So you, you pay whatever the price is and you own, you know, the um, LeBron James epic block from the NBA finals. You own that moment and it's worth whatever it's worth. And you can turn around and you can sell it later on. And it's almost like buying and selling artwork, but it's all digital. So to me, yeah, if you could buy it low, sell it high, make money, yeah, that's all well and good, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I can't, it's not like, it's not like a poster autographed by Michael Jordan where I can hold it in my hand and I can say, Robbie, this is Michael Jordan's autograph. It's worth whatever. Do you want to buy it? No wonder people are fucking shooting themselves. Holy shit, man. That was complicated as hell to even follow. You buy a right, moment right. and then sell the moment. Right. And I don't even fully understand it. I'm at a point where I have such a low level of understanding with it that what I just told you is pretty much what I know. I don't know much beyond that. Buy Ron Jeremy any of his scenes. <laughs> They're going to be gold one day. <laughs> That's all I can think of, man. I, that, I'm trying to have a crypto guy on here to talk about it so he can explain it because I've been trying to get interested into it because I feel like I could do really good. See, the, the issue that I have is I think passion leads to you being good at something. Now, whether that passion is something you enjoy doing or something that you hate so much, for me, I feel like I would be really good at like being a political analyst or some type of journalist just because I understand a lot of the shit that goes on with the government. I can think rationally when it comes to that type of stuff, but it, it gets me so pissed off, which is why I'm so interested in it, because I see that it's abusing a lot of people that don't have the power that they have. And I hate that someone is uh, like taking advantage of other people. And that's not to sound good on my gracious. That's just the fact of like when I see China doing all these things with slave, like Google, for instance, I didn't like Google because they blocked. I, I was in a podcast talking about this, which will come out before this one. But um, I was telling a guy about China, they, they shipped 13 tons of human hair to us that I heard in that Josh Rogan podcast. And nobody, we, we turned the boat around because one person questioned and was like, where does that human hair come from? And they were, they decided to cancel trade from us because they were like, oh, are you, you guys are racist for, you guys are communists. You're sending our stuff back. It's like, well, you have slave camps. And I don't think any of those people gave up their hair willingly. And I was saying this on an episode and the guy started Googling it. And I was like, Google it. He's like, I'm not finding anything. We ended up pausing it. I Googled it. I found it on DuckDuckGo rather than Google, but it, he found it on Google. It was the 10th result or something on like page three, which no one ever goes to page three. It's either one, two, or the last one. So I was like, I'm not a fan of this. That's why they put it that far down. Yeah, but they put this manipulation tactics to it where people that should honestly know this information before they buy into something – they don't have that there for you, and I don't like that. I consider that totalitarian. I consider that people that that want to keep you in the dark, and I think more people should be illuminated, and that's why we see this pushback with social media where everyone's exposed to so much. People are canceling other people for crazy shit. Yeah, I, I think that it's really tough 
from my perspective to, I don't want to say take things seriously, but if there's something going on here that's obviously wrong, which there's plenty of things. I mean, though I love this country, I understand nothing's perfect. I'll leave it at that. It should happen here, but ignore things that are happening that are just as bad, if not worse, other places. That's where it's weird to me. Like the NBA is hilarious to me because they speak about speak out about all the awful things that happen in America, but they won't talk about China because China makes them more money than America does. You know that. They make more money off of China. I've, t- I've talked all about this. All the Muslims this in, that are in camps in China. I've talked about this in a past episode when they banned that one uh, tweet that that guy put up and they were NBA was banned in China saying 1.5 billion people agree with it. And then they're like, well, Twitter's banned in China. How the fuck is 1.5 billion people agreeing with it? And you realize that it's the government that didn't agree with it, but they have a say in their country rather than all of us that actually have a voice. And that's where we're lucky at is that we're able to say things. And when we do a boycott, it's because the people are pissed off, not the government. Right. And that's honestly how it should be. And I think that's one of the things currently at risk right now with back to what we were talking about, about how we're regulating the internet, it's so easy to be cast aside, silenced, and, and canceled. All this cancel culture stuff that that's at risk right now, being able to have that voice. I mean, would you agree? I think with a lot of people think like it, it'll never happen to them. And I think once you un- understand it can happen to you at any moment, you stop giving a fuck about it. Like I've stopped caring about, I, I know, I know who I am. I know how I feel. No person on the internet's going to tell me any different. So when it comes to cancel culture, I might joke around with it, but you listen to that one episode I sent you where you even were like, how do you talk to this guy? And I was like, it's just because you get so you, you when you get so surrounded by people that think that that way, and then it's like, are you really woke or whatever that definition is? Because right now, I that's not I don't consider that good. And what I mean by that is the one that we all see on social media that's like fucking cancel, cancel. I'm like, you're not teaching. You're showing that you can do whatever you want and stomp your feet in the sand, and it's not getting anybody any better. My show's not fucking popular. It's not a number one hit thing. What the fuck are you going to do to me? Nothing. So I just look at it like you're you're trying to take down, much like the Greeks took down the statues of the gods. You're taking down someone or you're trying to attack someone that seems like they might have more than you. And I realize, I realize that, but I look at like, Man, we're all on the same playing field and we're all trying to find a little glimpse of light in this world that seems like it's covered in shadows. And I don't think it is. I think it's just been running like that for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. I think that the other thing, too, is in terms of just those shadows and the whole political world in general, I think not even on the larger scale. Like I have a a buddy who at one point where he lived at the time, he was on the association board. He was one of the board members kind of running how the money was going to be allocated and all that. And, you know, we lived in the the same neighborhood, the same association. So I would go to these meetings just as an onlooker. I wasn't in control of anything or on the board at all. And I would just watch how people would interact and not just the people on the board, but even how the people 
who were just residents, the things they would ask and the things that they wanted and what they would, would say. And I'm thinking, you don't even get paid for this. Like, why, how is this even something that you're fulfilled in doing or, or not frustrated by? Because me, I don't think I could go into politics because I think I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a pretty agreeable guy. I'm nice, I like you. whatever. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like to think that I get along with most people I interact with, but the way that the political world works, it's so dog eat dog that I think I just wouldn't be able to do it. Even at, at such a low level of being on the board for your neighborhood, the, the way that people behave is just unbelievable sometimes. It's why I didn't like uh, doing drugs back in the day because like anything when it comes to weed, even just the people that that type of environment just felt so weird and uncomfortable and so sketchy to me where it was like you realize like the people that get so heavily engrossed into it become that they become cold. A mortician works at a, you know, in the in where all the bodies are and everything that next thing you know, they become cold to the idea of seeing a dead body that's just normal to them. And I'm like, that's with politicians. I don't think you should have to end up becoming hard and tough to be able to survive in that type of thing. Why is it like that in the first place? You know, I think mental health is a giant issue in the world today and it's not getting better, but we're attacking core steps rather than attacking the, the little things that are leading to it. Why is it increasing more and more every single day? Well, figure out what's accelerating it stop that and then we can focus on the issue of being able to fix it rather than trying to fix the issue it's like you need to work on the steps that lead to that yeah i mean mental health is a great example of something that we're not caring for the way we should at all i mean there are some people who are lucky enough based on their circumstance whether it's the amount of money that they have or maybe they get you know, certain perks or assistance through, say, their employer. Some people are lucky, but there are other people who aren't. They don't have somewhere to turn. The fact that you weren't able to go anywhere or do anything or mingle with people for so long only made it worse for so many of these people. And even for years leading up to, you know, before this pandemic even hit, I think instead of finding better ways to solve the problem, better ways to treat certain things, the answer was, well, this facility needs to be shut down. This mental facility needs to be shut down. And there are less places for that, for people to turn as well. So like, what are we doing if we're getting rid of these methods, whether, whether those facilities were the right answer or not, why would you get rid of it before you have something to replace it? It's just like, I'm not going to quit my job if I don't have something else lined up. If I find something, then okay, well, this job's not working for me anymore. I'm going to quit. But I feel like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Closing the whole of the country for the most part was closed down for months. You couldn't really go anywhere or do anything. That made it worse. And for the poor kids, you know, couldn't even go to school. I mean, I think that has been really detrimental. And some are saying it's going to set them back a couple of years in, in terms of their education because of the fact that they were cooped up. Well, it's funny. Everyone hated Hogan for all the things he put in, which he was just following guidelines like most mayors were. I didn't like that. I didn't like, I don't like someone 
not being honest about what they're doing and they want to like, for instance, the mental health fix in this situation. Well, if we want to talk about that, so many things are talking about, we need to fix this. We need to fix this. But if you look, they're not fucking doing anything else besides saying that, like do what you're saying you're doing. Bellasio was given $850 million to fix mental health and they lost that money. $850 million. I don't know where the fuck it went. Like let's focus. Like, on some shit there's political that can't be the answer there's 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 it's just it's the same thing why i get mad with people that say that they're woke they'll share articles of horrible fucking things saying love asian people love whatever but they're not fucking doing anything it's like PETA. you're not fucking doing what you're supposed to be doing you're disguising yourself and seeming good to the public in the words that you say but you're not following up with action you're just fucking being a miserable social media warrior and i'm like you're not fucking doing anything when i say i'm going to do something i fucking do it that's why it upsets me when i see people that do these types of things and they don't follow through with anything they just want people to see that they're talking about it and giving them the pat on the back or the virtual thumbs up yeah well i think that's a a big difference between you and a lot of people out there is i think that you only want to do that or have people ask you if they genuinely give a shit how you're doing. And I think that speaks volumes about who you are as a person. And, and it doesn't surprise me that you feel the way you do about the mental health situation and taking action versus saying you're going to take action. It just, it makes sense to me because that's you, you know? I just, I get a little upset because I know people I think inherently care about other people but I just feel like I right now it's this idea of they want people to love them and we're seeking admiration admiration like we talked about before through social media or through a like or through these types of things and I'm like that's not what you want. What you want is actual people that are going to care about you. You want to be a good person because you are a good person, not because you want society to think you are. It's like you get confused and then you get schizophrenia in your head. It's why conspiracy theories are so damn fun is why I entertain them so much is because a lot of them make some fucking sense. <laughs> they make some sense. And I'm like, this is some person that's actually doing something that is entertaining and might be true, might be exposing something, but they're not attacking people on the same level as them. They're attacking these. They're punching up in a way. They're attacking people that seem like they've been corrupted the system. They've been cheating on it. They've been doing so many things that like um. so recently. Um, this episode will be out after this. the other episode I'm about to mention gets posted. But it's the last remaining descendant of the Knights of Templar. So I, he just introduced himself like that. I'm like, let's fucking go. I'm ready to hop down this rabbit hole. And we started talking about it. I'm like, if you notice, he starts talking about all these politicians that are doing things that are old, like Knights of Templar order type stuff. And I'm like, is it possible that somehow those secrets to building the foundation are slipping through the system, we can call them cheat codes in society, somehow got leaked not to the people that were destined to have it, but to some politicians or some people that couldn't handle it or shouldn't have had it in the first place. And next thing you know, we have all these scandals and all these people that are fucking up our system because they're not supposed to be there. It's like when you invite your friend to your party and your friend invites someone that's not supposed to be there, someone you don't like. It's a friend of a friend. You don't really like that person you don't know them enough to want them in your fucking house and i feel like that's what's happened with our government system <laughs> that's the first time i've heard anybody put it that way but 
I think you're onto something, man. I, I really do. And what's interesting to me, and I, I did say that I've been looking into um, and hearing about a lot of different conspiracy theories over the last few months. I think one of the most interesting ones is, so everybody talks about the Illuminati or the Knights of the Templar or whatever. There's all these different you know, organizations that people talk about. And I was listening to something, I don't know what it was, but it all blends together at this point. But it, the interviewer said to this guy, he said, well, okay, well, if you don't think that these organizations are really in control, like what, what do you think is happening? And he said, well, I believe that there are people who really are in control, but we don't know about them. If it was really a secret society to say, you know, that you're a Mason or, you know, you were part of the Knights of the Templar or whatever it is, whatever the organization, the Illuminati, we wouldn't know what we perceive to know about these organizations if they truly were in control. So this guy was saying he believes that essentially the people who are in control let these other like rumors and, and things kind of spread about these other groups because it takes the attention away from people finding who's really at the control board. Kind of like watching that was this an hand while the other hand's doing something else. Right. So that makes a lot of sense because I've talked about, like they say that the government has technology 50 years ahead of what we have. So there's gotta be someone that like, I always talk about Elon Musk, for instance. If I got into a conversation with that guy, I would seem like an idiot because he just is thinking on a whole nother process level. But I, I look at that like if some if I look at Elon Musk like this great inventor, he looks at me like something else. Then who's looking at Elon Musk like something else? And who is Elon Musk looking at as the great inventor? There's some person that doesn't want the spotlight. Those are the people you have to worry about is the ones that want the spotlight are usually the ones that don't want it are probably the best fit to run society but they don't want the fame because they have they're hiding a lot of shit the people that want the spotlight the people that want to be in our office are people that have bad shit that doesn't want to get out but they have an agenda and they have a mindset of that they want people to admire them they want people they want control and i just look at like that's considered a conspiracy theory but is it really that far off considering all the shit that's come out and stuff i mean our our government might not be the best, but it's not the worst. But there's like, for instance, we can go talk about China a little bit, too. Um, China released an app where it was like a gambling app on your phone, like a casino game. And once you put in your pin and, you you know, they gave you money on it. So you're like, oh, shit, our, we've never really had phones before. Now we have a brand new phone game I can play. They after wasting the money that the game already gave you, they would start buying into it. Then they would be in debt. And then next thing you know, someone knocks on their door and it's the triads because the gangs in China are working with the Chinese government to collect this money. This was in that podcast I was mentioning, Josh uh, Rogan, who hopefully will be on the show. Um, but it was it's I've listened to that episode or that podcast more than I've listened to any show ever. I've had it a thousand time. Listen, I, I will be playing it as soon as this one's over with, because I I've been every time I'm soaking up new information, new something else. You start to realize that as much as 
control as you think you do in your life. This pandemic should have shown you you don't really have any say in what you want to do. If they want you to be on lockdown, you're going to be on lockdown. You start looking at there needs to be better corporations or better communities designed to stick together rather than tear each other apart to be able to look out and sort through our own stuff. We shouldn't be trying to change something overseas. We need to change what's in our area, what we're working off of. There's a lot of issues. People are more than willing to put gas in the trunk of their car rather than let another person who actually needs it put it into their vehicle, which the Simpsons predicted. There's an episode, Homer Simpson putting gas in his trunk of his car. That's what we're fucking doing right now. See, and the whole thing with the gas, I saw this picture. You... (laughs) What did I say it differently than you would say? It? I said gas. <laughs> gas. Gave it like four A's. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the Philadelphia accent, the Philly area thing. Um, we don't say words properly, and some words we shorten them. We don't. I we have don't a Baltimore accent, so I feel you. Yeah. Um, but I think that the thing you've probably seen the picture of the lady with the big, like, Rubbermaid container, and she had it on the ground, and she's filling it up with gas. It you mean was, the laundry hamper? I didn't see a laundry hamper. I, I, when I saw it, <laughs> I saw a woman putting gas in a laundry hamper with holes in it, and they're like, this oh, is where no. Earth has gone to. <laughs> oh, my God. that That's where you just say, I've, I'm done with the planet. I want to get off. I'm, I'm done. My excuse for her is maybe she put, like, plastic on the over the holes, but she didn't understand that gas is, like, very, very corrosive. So it's going to burn through that plastic pretty quick. <sighs> We'll give her the benefit of the doubt, I suppose. I, I don't got to make society better than living. <laughs> yeah, that that whole situation. It just that's a pure example right there of how, although technology has been such a great thing, and we've, you know, the fact that we're doing this right now and we're not in the same room and we're having this conversation, this is all thanks to technology. But at the same time, it allows people from anywhere in the world. To hack in and say, oh, we're going to shut this pipeline off or we're going to stop access to this. It's That's the thing. With every good thing you get, there's also a downside. So there's pros and cons. I think it comes down to finding the best ways to mitigate all the negative stuff. And I don't think we've come close to even scratching the surface on how we do that most effectively. I think there's a way to gain back control, especially if you want to talk about like the China thing or anything, but you need to look at like, what are we risking when we do this? When we created social media, you know, now we're addicted to Wi-Fi. When the internet goes down, we start having a panic attack or freaking out. It's like, well, that, that, that's one of the effects you got to look at. See, there's, there's, everyone's thinking about the benefits to society. I talked to a, a, a biomechanical engineer. Um, she was on again, Melissa was on again recently. Uh, we were talking about like all these things that are being created that are amazing things, but it's just like the Neuralink. Yeah, it's going to be amazing if you can read somebody's thoughts and be able to understand languages without ever having to learn a language. But what's the what is anybody think about the side effects of that being put into your head? How many people are looking at porn? How many people are downloading apps to their fucking brain? You don't think of this stuff because you think in the best steps forward and success of society. But you have to understand what's going to happen two weeks after that. People are going to start being people and doing the shit they want to fucking do. See, that's dangerous. That that almost reminds me of, um, wasn't it a Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want, where yes. he could hear their thoughts? Imagine if it were the other way around, 
and they could hear our thoughts or, or just in general, being able to hear anybody's thoughts is dangerous, I think. It's going to create a paranoia society when you're walking down the street, you see two people walking behind you, and you feel like they're planning on mugging you. And then you turn around and hit them upside the head with a bat. <laughs> when really they're figuring out if they want to go to Olive Garden or Burger King. Those are two very different choices right there. Exactly. Surf and <laughs> turf. That's not even surf and turf. That's, like, that's like high class versus fast food. Yeah, well, you could get there's fish at Olive Garden. You can get shrimp and stuff does it, like that. Does it come without pasta? Probably no, of course no, not. No, nothing no. ever goes there without pasta. Come on, what is Why that? Why would it be? Well, I was such a big fan of uh, the the white pasta sauce as a kid, Alfredo. I think Alfredo. It Bro, that was the shit back in the day. I stopped eating it. I don't know what happened when I was like fourteen. I was like, I don't want it ever again. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm I'm the other way around with that. I'm more of an Alfredo guy. And I, I might have shared this with you before. I'm getting deja vu, but I have a lot of friends who are Italian. And when you I say, what's that? You told me this. Yeah. When I say, oh, I could go the rest of my life without ever having pasta again, they think I'm crazy. But it's true. And if I'm gonna have it, I would prefer first Alfredo. After that, maybe like a like a vodka sauce or like a Rosa sauce, like a lighter. But for me, it's all about the meatballs. It's all about the bread. I'm not into the pasta as much as the rest of the stuff. I see. I'm just, I, I guess I, I learned to eat very little or eat like just off of like basic shit compared to like people go to these high class things and have these fans. Like I haven't had that beef Wellington or whatever it is where you dip it, the bread into some type of like some type of liquid or something. You know what I'm talking about? So I've never had beef Wellington. Are you, are you talking about? I'm trying to think. The only thing I can, I always think of with liquid is French dip bread. I think. Oh, oh yeah, like a French dip sandwich, like a like a roast beef with some au jus. Yeah, that's high class to me. Whenever you hear a word like au jus, I already think your pants are way above where they're supposed to be. <laughs> like I don't know, but I'm like I'm okay with that because it's just, it's just like with um. Bill Gates, for instance, he still wears the same sweaters and shit. I enjoy that because even though you have billions of dollars to buy whatever you want, doesn't mean you necessarily have to do that type of stuff. Why don't you put it towards more of a beneficial thing? Like, for instance, I might have a lot of money saved up, but I don't like spending over $20 on groceries. I like buying basic necessities, things that I like. I don't feel like going out and spending $100 at a dinner because you never know when you might need it for a rainy day. You might never know when something comes across your way and something like that. Yeah, I think it's smart to play it a little bit more modest, living within your means and knowing, you know, like kind of having that that contingency for the rainy day. I think I'm the same way. Like I'm not going to go out and spend money on some meal that is way more expensive than it should be when I don't think that I've got enough banked away to be able to cover if something unexpected comes up, my car breaks down or whatever. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's simple is better. Like I I'm, I'm totally content with like a good burger or something like that. I don't, I don't need an expensive meal, you know? Well, controlling the things you can only control, you can only affect the things that happen to your life and trying to control someone else's actions. You know, there's going to be big blowback with the fact that a lot of people aren't wearing masks now because you don't have to. 
there are going to be people that will still want you to wear a mask. And I turn that like it's same thing during the pandemic. If you were jogging outside, someone would scream at you to put a mask on. It's like, guys, we need to focus on the things we can control. You're not going to change somebody's actions. You're not going to change these types of things. Stop fighting with each other and learn to work together. It's the only way this is going to work. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, one of the things I find hilarious is there's so many people that talk about science and what the science says and follow the science. And I have a neighbor somewhere in my neighborhood. I, I don't know this person personally who rollerblades uh, up and down the street. That guy. It's a woman, but still oh. getting her exercise. Hey, more power to you. But what I find interesting is there's nobody within 200 feet of this person and she has a mask on as she's outside rollerblading. Like to me, that goes beyond the practicality of the mask. That tells me you're scared. And to a degree, I mean, we all have some sort of level of fear, right? But I think there's a point where it gets ridiculous. To me, if I'm not around anybody, why would I wear a mask? I'm, I'm outside, you know? And I think now the fact that the indoor mask situation is changing with what the CDC just came out with, I guess you don't have to yesterday. wear one. Right. Like if you, um, if you're outside, no, you don't have to wear one. And then indoors, they say, if you're vaccinated, then you don't have to wear it. So I, I don't know, for me, the, the biggest thing, biggest problem I've had with this the whole time is that it changes so often the rule, the guidance seems to change. And it's, to me, it's like, okay, well, has the science really changed 12 times? Probably not. So, so why are we going through these different steps of do this? Well, no, don't do that. Do this. Um, and that's for me been one of the frustrating things, but you know, the, the next thing is, okay, well, if you can ditch the mask, if you're vaccinated, which Walmart just came out and said, they're going to do that. If you're vaccinated, whether you work there, whether you're a customer, you won't have to wear a mask. I was there on, this morning and I didn't have a mask on and I'm not vaccinated at all. Starts on May 18th, technically, is, is what Walmart's thing is. Can I but, just say I'm vaccinated? I mean, well, that's what a lot of people are saying. But then the question is, well, are they going to ask for your vaccination card? That's like a service dog thing. You can't do that. Technically, you're right. You can't do that. And to me, that's almost close to, you know, where are your papers back in Nazi Germany? And, and I don't say that to, to equate the two and, and correlate them directly, but it's going down that path. If my they buddy, say, well, you have to show it. My buddy, Kelly, um, he's been on a couple of times. He just sent me fake vaccination card, blank sheets where he was like, I'm going to fill this out. So I, I'm like, I'm not even going to fuck if, if they don't want me to go in there without a mask. I'll put a fucking mask on. I don't give a sh that much of a shit to go this far into it. I'm going if people if if see the issue is if someone tells me put your fucking mask on, I'm going to be like, go fuck yourself. If someone comes up to me, can you please put your mask on? I said, sure. Let me get it out of my pocket and I'll put it on. But I know so many people like I can't wait to burn it. I'm like, man, dude, I'm just like, I don't give a shit if you ask me. But if you tell me to do something, I have an issue with authority. And this is where the problem is. People don't like being told what to do unless you have a place of power. And everyone is starting to feel like they have a higher place of power or they're better than someone else. When I was a kid, I used to think I was the chosen one. I used to think I was this fucking, I was the one that was chosen to be this great leader. 
Besides what my last tarot card reading, the person that was on here told me I was going to be the leader of my generation. I don't believe that because I believe we're all able to be whatever we want to be. But you have to understand that you can only control the actions that you have. I'm not going to police anybody else. I might be like, well, that's weird. That person's not wearing a mask or that's weird. That person's wearing a mask, but I'm not going to tell them they have to do these types of things. Even at my job, they know it's like, Robbie, can you please tell him to put his mask up, man? Like fucking we're all going through this shit, man. Are we doing our, what we're supposed to be doing? Then fucking why are we worried about someone that's not doing that? If they're not hurting anybody, well, they're killing us with the disease. What the fuck, man? Like, I don't understand. I don't want to live in fear, but people have started to live off the fear narrative. And I think that's where it starts to get insane. There are people during this thing that don't want it to end because they like the idea of living in this like apocalypse fear type thing. It was fun for the first week, not having to go to work. But then after that, it's like, fuck, when are we going to be able to live our lives without just stepping on eggshells all the fucking time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm the same way. If if the business has a sign posted, and they want you to wear a mask. I'll wear it. I'm not looking to start fights with people just to not kick them in the balls, mask. kick them in the balls. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not that's that's not what I'm looking to do. But also at the same time, I think that the way people handle it, like there's a lot of people you can tell when you're in a store if there's something you're doing that they don't like. Um, like I said, when I was walking through without a mask, I felt like yeah. I was JFK about to get shot. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's how some people will look at you like you're absolutely insane and whatever, that's their opinion. But then again, I think back to the first couple of weeks of this, and I literally saw somebody in the grocery store in a full hazmat suit. To me, that was nuts. Like I'm talking the gloves, the full jumpsuit, mm. the hood, the plastic shield, like so you could see out of it. I'm sorry. Like, you know, he was just waiting to break that out. Like he was waiting for something, an excuse to wear his hazmat suit. Oh, sure. It, it was probably like uh, if you ever seen The Office, it was Dwight on The Office when they had the lice. A couple of people in the office had lice and he puts the hazmat suit on. And uh, I mean, it, it's, that was wild. But I think too, a lot of businesses have loosened up their, their way that they're approaching it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a couple of years since I've been to Ocean City, Maryland, but you guys have a couple of Wawa's down yeah. there, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Hoagie Wawa Fest, fan, son. Right? Hoagie Fest. Listen, that's pride of Philly, Wawa. Um, with Wawa, I have a friend who goes into Wawa a lot and they were telling me, <laughs> it's so funny because this, this friend of mine, I love her to death, but she's a total Karen. <laughs> she, she called the store and asked to speak with the manager because there were customers not wearing masks and nobody said anything to them. That happened at mine recently. I walked in, I was like, we don't have the mask mandate lifted yet. It was like two weeks before it happened. Yeah. Well, this was a couple of weeks ago that this happened with her. And apparently the stance that Wawa has taken, at least around here, is they put a sign up on the door saying they want you to wear it. But if you're not, they will not engage with you or, you know, try to get you to put one on, which I thought was interesting because a lot of a lot of businesses, I think, for a long time were doing that. Maybe 
it just led to too many scuffles and confrontations that they didn't want to do it, but that, they're, they're that kind of hands off. That happened at my work. Uh, my main supervisor has become like what they call her the mask Nazi because she always like walks around and asks people to pull up their mask. And I'm like, I, they always tell me like, what's her issue? I'm like, she's a good person. She's a really good person just doing what she was told to do. Now, like I said, and I'll keep saying, there's a way to do what you're supposed to be doing, follow the rules that are told to you. But there's a way to tell people there's a way to do it where it's like you got to give and take. You got to understand that you got to work with people as well, too. If you're asking someone to pull up their mask, you say, please. But it's difficult because you're supposed to every set. You're supposed to make sure that, you know, you can when you're lifting, you're doing it. But when you're like when you're not lifting, you have to have the mask up and all that. And it's like I I, I was defending her. I was like, man, you just got to understand it's the doing what you're told to do. And I think at this point, it's like how many people probably got shot? from telling someone or doing something in a store, like put your mask on, you start to realize Wawa took a stand because they don't want their employees dying. They don't want that on their fucking hands. Now, I don't think it's caring about the employees. I think it's a factor of like, I don't want to get fucking sued because some dude got shot over a breakfast sandwich. You know, like that's, that's a horrible way to go over a bacon egg. Are you kidding me? Right, right. So as far as the gym, so did you say if you're, in the middle of actually lifting, you don't have to have the mask up or so, so if like you're going to be benching or if you're going down to get ready to bench press any time before that, like you're sitting on your bench on your phone, phone up, I mean, not phone up, mask up. But as soon as you get down to actually get to the lift and you have the weight in your hands, the mask can be down to do your set. And then you pull it right back up when you're done, which just became so difficult because so many power lifters come in doing smelling salts and fucking lift 800 pounds and slam it like, whoa, I got that pump and all that. And then you're telling them, hurry up pull your mask up and they're just like go fuck yourself i'm like i'm not fucking fighting a dude that's four times the size of me smart move you're a smart man at least over a mask policy if anything else like if he tells me like i don't know um what what i don't see this is the thing for me is i try to figure out i don't have anything that i'm a hundred percent so invested in that I can argue with someone or get upset about. But then someone told me something about like mental health. And that's where I took a stand. I was like, Hey, it was a gun issue. Um, guns are a hundred percent easier to kill yourself. The, the fact of getting a gun and doing it, that is a hundred percent true. There's statistical evidence of that, but I think there needs to better be a better. I don't care if you want to own a gun. But you got to understand, you got to have precautions if you understand that there's a kid in your in your house, if there's a mentally unstable person in your house. It's a thousand times easier to do it with a gun than a rope is. So I'm like, you need to understand that that's 100% true, but someone didn't want to believe that. And I'm like, okay, well, I get it. That's your perspective. I'm not mad at you. You're a good guy. But it's just a concept of like, I think when it comes to the fact of giving a mental health check, there should be a lot more systems in place that have these thorough exams of people because now it's becoming more popular. It should, there should be more things implemented to be able to focus on. I think even in a grocery store, you need to have some types of like checks when it comes to, are you doing all right? Just a random person at a random grocery store, not even at, not saying that you can't shop here if you're upset, but just, are you okay, man? Like the greeter at Walmart, fucking A. That was amazing that someone would greet you, give you a sticker, say, have a nice day. Just that little thing 
can make someone's whole entire fucking day. And we don't have any of that anymore. Nothing in society. Everything is fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. If you're driving by, go and cut them off. I'm like, let's try and find ways, even if it's with more art or something that's instilled into our towns or communities or something that gives some type of like the color theory. So my buddy tossed this out to me about color theory. He goes, the color purple is a conspiracy theory. They think that they give Biden all these color purple things and all of his videos and interviews because it's some type of calming effect or a dumbing effect on the population, which if you've ever studied color theory, red brings out anger, blue brings out cool and calm. I wear a white shirt because it brings out more positive invoking energies when I'm in a chat with someone who might be shy or something. A black shirt might be slimming, but it's also a factor of it gives off like a, a a weird kind of don't talk to me type vibe sometimes if you do it properly. And if we just had more positive colors, more positive things around us, you're going to it's going to be a lot harder to be upset and more angry. And I'm like, that's what small things we could be implementing to help with mental health rather than just being like, give them pills, fucking talk yeah. to the dude. There's science behind that for sure. I'm, I'm no expert on color theory, but I do know that certain colors do elicit certain reactions. Like you mentioned red, you never want to have, you know, your bedroom painted red or frankly your kitchen because red is a color that makes you hungry. That's why so many restaurants use red in their motif and their logo. You know, Chick-fil-A, red, McDonald's, red, Wendy's, red. KFC. Arby's, red, KFC, red. Ruth Chris has a little red in their logo. Uh, red Robin, it's in the name. I mean- Burger King's got red. Burger King's got red. I mean, you could name probably just about anything. Except Taco Bell. Except Taco Bell. Yeah, they, they've got- they've they got, got a mag- They got like a magenta. But you know what though? With Taco Bell, because it's tacos, they have a lock on the stoner population. Yeah. And, the and, and I am not in that population, but they've got a lock on me too. I mean, if I'm looking for a taco, that's where I'm going to go. I had a dream. I met Jesus at a Taco Bell. Now that is a Taco Bell trip and a half right there. So I've, you had a dream. You met Jesus. I've told this a couple of times, but I'll tell it to you because you can analyze this one for me because I was, <laughs> I'm curious to what it meant. So I was driving in a, or I was in a car in the passenger seat and someone was driving and I was looking out a window, the whole entire thing of the dream or most of the dream at least. And I would see the scenery change and I would keep asking questions. And I never looked over to see who I was talking to. I would just go, what is life? And then this voice would answer, life is whatever you make it. And I was like, okay, I've heard that before. And then I was like looking out the window and I would say like something like, what is, what is, the, what is a purpose? And then it's like, he would give me some type of response that was just like the first one. And then I look over and I'm like, oh my God, you're Jesus. And it was Jesus. And I just go, you're Jesus. He goes, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, I could eat. And then I know I used to go to this Taco Bell all the time when I was a kid. And that's the Taco Bell we pulled into. And I go inside and I spend most of my dream spinning the fucking thing, trying to win a free taco while Jesus is sitting in the booth. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I have Jesus in a booth right now. I just spent like four hours trying to win a taco. So I walk over to the booth, sit down and I go, what'd you get? And he goes, everything that I have is everything that I need. And I'm like, okay. And tacos sit down in front of me. And then a burrito sits down in front of him and he unfoils it and bites into it and it's beans. And I'm like, you're just eating beans. 
And he goes, you need less than you think you do. And I'm like, fuck, that's a good answer. And then he bit into it again. and It was avocado. And I'm like, is that avocado? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you're a psychopath. And he just goes, oh, Lord. And then rolls his eyes. And then the dream was over with. That was my dream. Oh, my God. To be inside your brain, Robbie. That, that's It moves wow. pretty quick. Uh, yeah, it seems like it does. Now, that, I'll admit, just, just listening to that, I don't think I have as clear or profound of a an analysis on that one. I had a sleep scientist try and tell me what it meant, and I was like, I don't know. Oh, they, they couldn't tell you and either? He was like, oh, that sounds fucking crazy, man. What'd you eat before you went to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I had some beans and rice. That's okay. There's your beans. Um, that's probably part of it. I don't know. I would say that it's probably, I mean, we all want to know more about the meaning of life, right? I think that's a, a question whether we actively pursue it or actively talk about it or not. I feel like on a subliminal level, we all kind of wonder, like, what's what's the main idea here? You know, we want to know more about that. And, and the fact that it was a dream where you talk to Jesus, maybe it has something to do with that. Aside from that, yeah, maybe it was indigestion and it hmm. screwed with your mind. I don't know. Like, that's that's an interesting one, though. I want to ask, have, do you have an alien experience? I have not. Okay. Um, although that's one of the things that... I've become somewhat interested in. I would still say my number one is stories about time travel and whether it's somebody saying that they devised a way to do it or it happened against their, their will, like they didn't choose to do it. Um, not saying that I have proof of anything being true or not true, but uh, I've gotten really into listening to that. So kind of to your, your point where you said you're going to re-listen to that podcast, I have re-listened to a few myself where I thought, wow, that was like compelling. I want to hear that again. Um, I was only asked about the alien thing because I've talked to so many guests now that have explained the exact same story and they're just so normalized to it where they don't even mention it. I'm like, that'd be obviously telling everybody. So I'm like, maybe people have seen more aliens than we know and they just don't really talk about it. But uh, tell me about your time travel thing. What's the idea behind time travel? Well, I think that from what I've heard, there's a lot of different opinions on time travel. Right. So have you ever heard of the show Coast to Coast AM? Yeah. The overnight radio show. So I kind of slipped into this black hole of the time travel, the aliens, the conspiracy stuff through that. I started kind of listening to that a little bit because pandemic, what else am I going to do? You know, was kind of bored. So I thought I'd check it out. And there was an episode of that show from years ago. I'm talking like 20 years ago now, maybe more. And they talked to this guy who claimed to have had an experience where somebody contacted him and basically gave him the keys to unlock time travel. And he has this machine and he was explaining how it works and what he does with it. And what was interesting is he had somebody come on. There were two guests, this guy that bought a machine from him. And he was talking about how he traveled into the past and he traveled to the future. And, you know, he went to the past into the 1500s and he got put in jail because of the way he was dressed. They thought he was some kind of, I don't know what, but he was talking about the future. And he said he went into 
the year 2525 or something like that. It was like 20, 2500 or whatever. And there were no buildings. Everybody was living underground. There was no, nobody, no skyscrapers, no real homes or anything that were on the surface of the planet. And it just was so interesting to me. And then other things I've listened to, they say the opposite that, oh, you, you can't go back in time. So he said he went to the 1500s. There are some that say until a time machine is created, you can't go back before that. So if it was created in you know 1990, that's as far back as you can travel. You can go forward, but you can't go back to a time before the machine existed. So the 1500s probably wouldn't be feasible, for example. So it just I find it very interesting. Not, not saying I believe one or believe another, but it's just, I think it's so cool. Maybe you can unlock time travel in your dreams, but you can only, it's kind of like the animus. You can only tap into the genetic code that is of your ancestors. You know, that's interesting because there's also the concept of not just traveling physically, but what they refer to as an astral projection where it's in your mind, whether that's through a dream or, or whatever you want to call it, and you're traveling somewhere else. Um, but just a lot of interesting stories. Like they, they would do shows where they would just tell people, call in. If you've done this, call in. We want to hear your story. And they'll talk to like 20 people over a couple hours. Um, like this one guy met someone, went to some dinner party, and the guy says, oh, come to the garage. The guy puts his dog on this chair and hits a couple buttons and the dog disappears. And then a few minutes later, the dog is back, right? And it's it, the dog time traveled or whatever. So I, I don't know, I just, I, I was never, growing up, I was never into anything like really sci-fi related, which is what I kind of consider this to be. But now I'm at a point where it's just, I find it so interesting. I wanna, I wanna learn more, I wanna find out more. So I do a lot of like my, my recreation time is I'm listening to different things and, What's interesting, another thing that I listen to where they kind of talk through conspiracies and analyze things present day, they mention something now that I, I think of what I just told you about nobody living on the surface of the planet in a few hundred years. They were saying they believe that the whole aspect of space is fake, which again, I see you rolling your eyes. I'm not saying I believe this, but one of the things that they pointed to is they said, you know, Elon and whoever else, Bezos, they're going to get us to Mars. But what's going to happen is they believe that Mars is really under the surface of the earth. It's underground. So just wild out there stuff, but so interesting. <laughs> I threw you for a loop with that one, huh? I mean, I'd like to, I got, you got to send me that one so I can listen to that and try to understand that one in my head. Yeah, I can uh, I can share some links with you. I'll let you know what I've been listening to. I, honestly, I think the one the present day one, I think you would find very interesting because they take a stance where they don't necessarily think the Earth is round, but they don't necessarily think that we're one hundred percent sure that it's flat. Like they're they're kind of in the middle, right? So with all the stuff with the pandemic that they talk about, they say you know everything's fueled by fear. You know, first it was fear of a virus and then it was fear of vaccination. And now, I don't know if you've seen, 
there's a lot of fear spreading around if you're not vaccinated, you should be scared of the people who are. Before it was vice versa. Now it's the other way around. So this whole fear motivation um, on all, all sides of it is really interesting when you break it down. I couldn't think of a better 800 episode. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to deliver. <laughs> Matt, where can people find you? Do you still have any social media links you want to plug? Um, we could plug Suburban Foodie, I guess. It's uh, Foodie with a PH, uh, Suburban Foodie. Uh, maybe at some point I'll come back. If I don't, at least for now, there's dozens and dozens of different pictures of things I've eaten across the world, whether it was here, the Philippines, whatever. So feel free to check that out. And, you know, maybe at some point I'll get the itch and go back to it. But uh, yeah. You should change it to something else, like change it to more, just start another page that happens to do on something that you're interested in. Like if you want to talk about a conspiracy page or something. Huh, that's a good way to get the page taken down, isn't it? <laughs> nah, it's, some of them are, if you make them so insane or just explain it like, or just post a meme or something with it, it kind of can stay up there. Yeah, it's a thought. One day. But thank you for joining me on this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, episode 800. That's 800 conversations that I don't know if they're conversations you want to hear or... I don't know if they could be informative sometimes, right? I think sometimes I do the part of that, uh, but they help out in times and I appreciate everybody for listening along the journey.